Hi, welcome to Office Hours, a podcast presented by College Fashionista. It's Amy Levin here. This week, I chatted with Mackenzie Wagner, senior beauty writer at Vogue. Mackenzie shares with us insight on working at this premier fashion company and how she finds inspiration for the stories she writes. Welcome, Mackenzie. So you were telling me before we started the convo that you're originally from Northern California. Yeah, well, I'm from upstate New York, but um, I moved to Northern California when I was 16. Okay, so you went to school, like high school. high school and grammar school in upstate, then you moved to Northern California midway through high school? Yes. That's tough. It, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. I really? was so excited. Really? Yes. I feel like usually that's like a hard age to move. You love your friends. Right. You don't want to leave home. Um, I just... I don't know what what uh, spurred it, but when I when I was a kid, I just always wanted to get out. Like I was trying to. I mean, not that I'm like from the dregs or anything. I was from yeah, a very nice, pretty nice <laughs> little suburb um, outside of Albany, and uh, I just it just was a small town mindset and. I watched a lot of television, and I read a lot of magazines, and I read a lot of books, and I just wanted to go. Um, And where did you guys move in Northern California? um, We moved to just outside of San Francisco, um, to Marin County. It's the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. Okay. And it's so beautiful. And your family's still there. Yeah, my sister's still in San Francisco. Everybody else is um, back in upstate. Back in upstate. And then you came back to the East Coast for college, right? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't really call it much of a return. I mean, New York City is its own yeah. monster. Like, it, it's not a thing like where I grew up, you know, where there were more cows to people where I am. Right. So, <laughs> so this Fair. wasn't exactly my backyard. Um, yeah. And you went to NYU. Yes. And what were you majoring in? Um, I studied art history and journalism at NYU. And did you know going into college that you wanted to go into writing? Yeah. I, um, when I was in high school, I really just loved to make things. And um, I played piano, and I sang, and I painted, and, um, and I wrote. And I thought I, I applied for school um, with, like, an artistic portfolio, too, but I just realized I felt much more in control when I was writing. Interesting. Like I, I feel I love to paint, and it makes me feel really alive. Like it's almost like a drug to yeah. paint. But writing is the same experience. Only I, I feel more authoritative, and like I have a voice. And do you feel that way with all topics within writing, or is there, or specifically yeah. fashion, or? No, I think I think you can feel that if you write, I think you can write about anything. Yeah. Um, Being able to have strong writing skills is such an asset, and that's something that is not a strong suit for me, and I really admire people who are great writers because it's, I don't know, it's beautiful to read great writing, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, I, it's where I felt most, um, like, I, I would... I did my best thinking when I was reading, and I I felt more understood by things I read in books than by, like, a lot of relationships I had in my life, so. Yeah. 
um, it's nice to be able to like think that somewhere I'm communicating with somebody in a very small, like intimate way that way. Well, definitely. I mean, writing for Vogue, you're definitely communicating with a lot of people. I hope so. That's an exciting part about it. Um, you know, it's easy to forget that. And then, you know, somebody, um, like someone will tell me like their, their cousin's roommate, like read a story that I wrote and cried. Isn't that a good feeling? I'm like, wow, that's, you forget. You're like, oh wait, people actually read what I'm putting out there. People follow me on social. I totally get that feeling. We we get caught up in what we're doing, but I mean, a platform like Vogue being able to contribute to that is such an honor and they get so many eyeballs. And I mean, think about all the young girls and even older girls all around the world who really look at Vogue as the authority on fashion. Right. I mean, I read it and still read it and still read, I mean, my former heroes, I mean, current heroes, but like also current colleagues writing and can't believe like, you know, get to be in the room with these people. Talk us through kind of like your post-college career journey. Where did you land after NYU? So, um, so I interned a lot at NYU, um, and I interned at Nylon. It's funny when I was in college, I I had I didn't want anything to do with um, with like institutionalized magazines. Interesting. I, I really loved um, reading more independent things, and such as what? Well, not, I mean, when I was in school, Nylon like was so cool and what they were doing was really cool and the people they were talking to were people that I cared about and um it was way more indie yeah it just felt really raw and like you could build it and they made a website um they were I think one of the first magazines if not the first to have um a website that was like just as big and important as the magazine itself so when I when I worked for nylon.com and I was writing I mean they gave me my own beat like had blog during college yeah it was really cool um I had a great editor Sam Guilewix and she just trusted me yeah which is all you can hope that someone will do um right and so you were writing for nylon so I was writing for nylon and then did you work for them right after college no um so I, I interned there for a long time, and after school, I graduated in 2009, and that was when the recession had really I graduated finally, the same year. Really? Yeah. And it had finally just hit all of the magazines. It was a weird year. <laughs> so they were like, everyone that I talked to was telling me, um, you know, we're on a hiring freeze, but we're hiring interns. And my parents were like, you can get an internship at home. Like, right. you, we're not helping you You anymore. just went to like, NYU. So yeah, we love get you. Get a job. Congratulations. We're not paying your rent. Um, so I, I, that's what I did. I went home um, and got an internship with San Francisco Magazine, um, which is San Francisco's version of New York Magazine. It's incredible. Um it's a it's a really good magazine in and of itself um, and one of the better city magazines in the country and we won a national magazine award that year for for general excellence and like beat out the Paris Review it's it's a great great place but um so I got there I was fact checking 
Um, and explain fact-checking. Okay, so fact-checking fact is an important thing to learn how to do. I mean, definitely. If you're a real journalist, you yes. have to fact-check. You have to be able to substantiate what you're writing, and you learn how important that is. Um, so fact-checking, the fact-checking job is, um, sounds unglamorous. It's actually pretty cool. You, you're just researching... You, you re-research the entire piece before it goes into a magazine. Um, so the who, what, when, where, and why of every single word, comma, period on the page, you have to know why. So, you know, if you get called into somebody's office, you can say, well, there's a comma here because, um, like, George is his only son. And if that's not there, you know, you can get sued. <laughs> and... Is every single article fact-checked? Like, every single article? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, a faster That's vetting process um, in online journalism. Like, at Vogue, it, it moves much more quickly than we did when we were, um, like, when I'm writing for print. Or right. When we were writing for print. But um, but that makes sense because a lot of the content, specifically on Vogue.com, is very timely. Right. It's very timely, and you can update things. So, if something's I mean, not correct, you can go back and modify. Things are sensitive, you know. Right. You don't want to. But so fact-checking is a lot of calls, research, and ensuring that you have everything correct. Right. So that's a good role. It is a good role, and you learn so much. You're essentially getting paid to learn about insane things. Like, that's you cool. learn the backstory to every single story in – a magazine that you care about so it's it's information that you want to know anyway makes you great for dinner parties <laughs> yeah you're very interesting you're like let me tell you what I just fact checked so right. after you did that role then what happened um then I mean I loved being there and I I got promoted twice within San Francisco Magazine, um, Elizabeth Varnell was my editor there, and she is still a great friend and mentor to me. Um, she, It's funny, she now writes for me at Vogue, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm touching your writing. This, is, this seems wrong. But um, she sort of saw that I, I mean, I really just cared about fashion, and I would talk to her about it. Um, and nobody really cared that I had an opinion there but um eventually somebody like notices that you're the person in the room who would be good for this so right I got um promoted to style assistant and then to an associate editor all within a year there and like got to write a like a cover story I mean it was really incredible um I loved loved it was one of my favorite jobs it was it didn't have a I mean despite those three jumps it didn't have like a lot of actual upward mobility as far as having like a senior position the people who have been there have been there for a really long time and there aren't that many public at the time there weren't that many publications in um in San Francisco I really wanted to move back to New York and meet the people who were making you know, all of this happen and, you know, write about fashion from inside instead of right. looking at it, you know, from San Francisco. Well, especially since you went to school at NYU, you had like a little taste and then right. you left and 
It's addicting here. It is. I Yeah, I basically spent the whole year looking over my shoulder being like, but what's actually happening in the world? Right. <laughs> so I moved back to New York um, with Sugar Inc., um, which is a San Francisco-based company. And... Um, that that was a that was a really 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 good learning experience as far as um, working online is concerned. Like, they they kill it with search engine optimization, and they had such a transparent way of working online and like uh, pushing their technology forward. They would bring like the entire staff in for meetings to explain. Okay, this is what's happening, and this is why we're doing it. That's good. Which is amazing. Felt very much a part of where the company was going. Right, and super capable. I mean, they've armed me. Like I feel like I've gotten every single online job since then because of what I know. Like wow, what I learned at that job. So you had the print experience right the nylon the San Fran mag and then you have this amazing online experience and is that how you parlayed to vogue.com um sort of so there's I another jumped, step I jumped, there's <laughs> a few more steps I mean sugar was definitely I, they're an incredible company and the pe- people who have been there have been there forever I mean they never leave it's like a family you know, they still, people from that some company still reach out and, like, ask me how I'm doing and wish me happy birthday. And That's special. It's really special. It was not the right job for me. Um, like, what I was doing was I, I was working in, um, like, celebrity writing, and I just, it just wasn't. You couldn't connect to it. Yeah. I, I mean, I took it basically to move back to New York and, um and it just wasn't right, and I wasn't happy doing it. And um, so I just, like, took it as an opportunity to learn as much as I can from these. I mean, they're brilliant. What they do, they're, they're unstoppable. They're, like, slowly taking over the world. <laughs> and I learned as much as I could, and then I went back into print at Condé Nast. Okay. For um, what publication? For Architectural Digest. I love Architectural Digest. Me too. Um, and it was great because I had studied art and architecture oh, in school. Oh, good compliment of, of both your backgrounds right. and your degrees. So oh, that's great. It was a direct application of what I knew and um, just con- like a continued education. And I fact-checked again there. Wow. And I actually think I would love to be a fact-checker at AD. I would love that. Right. You you, you learn are studying the so craziest much. stuff. Yeah. Like and it's really like history based, I feel mm-hmm. like cuz a lot of design is funded on history on on things that are from right. the past that are then especially altered. architectural digest. Right. I mean of all of the interiors magazines, it's it's more um history focused than, you know, say like El Decor or I agree with you. Um yeah, it's it, we had a lot of antiques and people just like, yeah, and it, they feature such interesting right. homes and wonderful people, and that's with a cool incredible job. society stories that you just like. Yeah. I mean, that's like, like real life. Truman Capote would like dine on, you know. That's what I yeah. spent my that's days really cool. researching. So it was really fun. So you're back at Conde, right? So, but 
but again like architectural digest as we mentioned is like an older focus and so the people that were writing the the stories at architectural digest are people who live these lives and are friends with like barons and people named like bunny and buffy you know i can write about these things because i love them but i don't have like the personal experience so getting a byline there was quite difficult um and they didn't have as much of an online presence as they do now right so um so you know i would pitch constantly and just like They'd be like, that's really cute. Well, it's a great idea. Love the enthusiasm. We're going to need you to work on this. Yeah. Um, and I had a friend there, um, Sam Cochran, who I think is the, I'm not actually sure what his role is there now, but he's still at Architectural Digest, like higher and higher and higher on the masthead. He's fantastic at what he does. And, um, he sat in a little office around the corner from me and just sort of like watched me like try to pitch ideas, you know, and knew I was dying to write and put me in touch with his friend Nick Axelrod, who was the editor at Into the Gloss. And that's how I started in beauty. Interesting. So you were at Into the Gloss before Vogue? Yes. Wow. So you've really jumped around. Right. So, um, yeah. And did you did you have a preference over jumping into beauty versus fashion or it was just kind of like the right time, right place and this made sense? It was the right time, right place and right thing. I mean, beauty is not something that I had ever written about, but it's something that everybody thinks about. I mean, definitely. And that I think is what made me a better beauty writer than if I had been like classically trained because people would tell me things and I'd be like, wait, what? Why right. is that like that? What are you talking about? Why do I need mascara that does this? You know, why do I, yeah. why do I care about, um, I don't know, like light reflecting particles in my BB cream? Like, I don't understand this. And so you write about it as if you're talking to your friend about yeah. it because you're trying to work it out as well. Um, and I mean, just being from Northern, having formative years in Northern California, I just so sincerely cared about health and wellness. It's just part of like the weird hippie culture there. Everybody does yoga. No, it's like know. baked into their DNA. I noticed right. that when I was in LA, I was like, I, I mean, I've been to LA a million times, but this time in particular, it's like everyone just is way healthier here. You're just super, it's just part of it. Yeah. Um, so. So into so, the glass, that's great. So right. you were there in the early days. I was there, we were in a room about this size. What number smaller. employee were you? Um, let's see, there was Emily, Nick, Michael, Elizabeth, Alessandra, and me. I think six. I was six. Um, was so, it hard going from a corporate environment like Condé Nast to a startup? Yes, but I had sort of bounced back and forth. My, I mean, Nylon was an insane place to work. It, you know, it was very fun and like frenetic and young. And then um, San Francisco Magazine, which was much more, was much older and like poised yeah. in a real office setting. And then Pop Sugar was 
you know, just a bunch of like 20 something women right in a room and yeah, you kind of got to have all different experiences at such yeah. a young age. I yeah, I like to sort of work with something established and then build something and like establish and build something. Yeah. Um and then vogue.com reached out to me um when I was at Into the Glass and I was like, am I being punked? Like this was the goal the whole time. Yeah, you're like I have to do this. Right. I mean, I told my friends when I went, when I took the job at Architectural Digest, I was like, I'll be here for two years and then I'll get to work at Vogue. I can work wherever I want. And my friends kind of like scoffed. Like, <laughs> and I was like, no, watch me. Yeah. That's amazing that you yeah. ended up back there. Is the culture of Vogue like what people think from the outside? Like, not Devil Wears um, Prada, but catty and competitive and... I can't really speak so much for the magazine because I was mostly on a separate floor. Um, right. But it is the happiest place I've ever worked. And I've worked in a lot of places. And you never see this coming. Like, I was basically like, okay, this is going to be emotionally brutal, but amazing. Like, such an education. And I walked in and... On my second day, I was, you know, really nervous and staying really late trying to finish a story and make it perfect. And um, Choma Nadi, who's the senior, or she's the fashion news director, and probably the coolest person I've ever seen in real life, came over and was like, hey, I'm ordering dinner. Let's have dinner together. And And then I was like, okay, great. Like, I can't believe you even noticed that in the room. <laughs> and then the food came, and she made me get up from my desk and sit at a conference table and eat with her and just, like, got to know me. That's so nice. And, and you'll never forget that. I'll and you'll probably do that for someone else because that. that was done for you. It was the most disarming experience. And I like that. Everybody there, they're all, like, my, my best friends now. I'm on a group chat with, like, I don't even know how many of them. And I'm just, like... They're the people that I want to see. It's a real see. team. It is. It was, I mean, if Sally Singer does nothing else, and she's already a genius, she is incredible at building a team. Yeah, and managing. Everybody in there is better at anybody else I could imagine at, like, doing something so specific. And they, they're, like, passionate, and they love being there. That's important. I mean, yeah. that energy obviously is felt by everyone else so that's so good that everyone feels that way and wants to be there and it's real like I mean even on days where I was really stressed out and like you know you have something due and it's like a dark cloud hanging over your head I got out of bed to be in the room with that those people that's awesome yeah so what's next for you now that you've had all these experiences (sighs) well um I mean, this is it's folk.com is a hard place to walk away from. I really loved being there, and it was not like a disgruntled, like, right. I'm done with this moment. Um, I just feel I started to feel like there were more things that I wanted to explore, um, and I feel really, you know, if folk.com is not a confidence booster, I don't know what is so I just feel kind of ready to see what else I can do what I can do on my own there are like so you're gonna go into freelance 
Mm-hmm. I'm moving to California to go back and just like, I love that healthy lifestyle. Um, and stay tuned. We'll yeah. keep following you. Thanks. <laughs> it's so. exciting. Yeah. Well, your story is really interesting. And I think that, you know, it's helpful for someone to understand like a Vogue.com beauty editor. Like, how did you get to where you are? And it's, it is such an interesting story because it's not what I would have thought. Right. Um, so I think that's really useful for all of our listeners to hear because they're all trying to navigate what they want to do post-college. And obviously, most girls' dream is to work at Vogue. So right. it's definitely nice for everyone to hear from you. We have a couple specific questions sure. from students. I'm going to go ahead and ask you. And the first one is from Maddie Haller. And she goes to Florida State University. And her question is, what is the most valuable thing you have learned while working for Vogue? Um, this is a hard one. I mean, one of the things that Vogue.com does incredibly well um, is to just make incredible content very quickly. Um, so if we have time with someone it's not just going to be like a, a, a story in the magazine. It's also going to be, okay, why don't we send someone there with an iPhone and we can make a short video and there can be a story about the hair and makeup team. And it's like you, you're, bu- you're just building as much content on this moment as, um, as like as is interesting I guess and um so it's just like really utilizing an opportunity is what I've learned there and like um also just how to write a really sound piece um Catherine Piercy is my editor there and writing about health and wellness is an easy thing to be opinionated about and it's um it's it it takes a lot of practice and finesse to write something that's um stronger and takes a like a wider stance and viewpoint you have to be you have to show both sides i mean even if i am writing a personal piece and have an opinion about like oil pulling or meditation I have to talk to you know a trusted doctor and maybe like a homeopath and like some both sides yeah you you show both sides and you um and it really really matters like it's very dangerous to not write a health or wellness piece that way um so that was really interesting. Yeah, that's good. I like the taking advantage of the moment because I think that's something we try to do at College Trash News, and I feel like a lot of younger digital companies do that just because of budgets. Right. We don't have these big of budgets course. for shoots. So it's like if we have a moment, you know, can we do Snapchat? Can we do this? So I think that's, you know, such a good skill and thing to be mindful of if you're going to be in the media world so I really yeah, like that you said that absolutely and that's something I mean that's something that they're looking for in younger people too is just like how can you be scrappy yeah how and you should be like journalism itself is a pretty I mean the end product is very glamorous but the 
the getting together is just like people sitting in a room throwing a piece of paper against a wall. Like right. we, you know, our one of our um, like video editors is and and producers who's now, um, you know, he gets flown all over the world on shoots is a guy, um, Bardia Zanelli, who would just, you know, he's just young like early 20s and would just show up with an iphone and yeah was he was just really really funny and good at it and he paid attention and he's like all over instagram and he knows all of these girls through instagram and making like his own funny content and it's just like just good at what he does looking for people who are going to do what they're going to do whether or not you pay them to do it yeah that's a good point And then the next question is from Jamie Lee from Rutgers University. Her question is, how did you begin working for Vogue, and how is it different than what you thought working for Vogue would have been like? So you answered the first part. I guess the second part is good. How is it different than what you thought? Um, It's different, you know, in that it was a really, really um, welcoming place. You don't really hear that very much, but it's like a family and they we really um you know i work really hard alongside of everyone you know we pull really long hours together and um, we celebrate together and we support each other and share ideas i mean the best part about being in that room is like standing up and saying like okay i'm writing this story about men who wore makeup and you know, uh, I'm, uh, like Marjan Carlos will be like, oh, you have to look at this moment or just email me a photo of something or Laird Borelli person who's like the coolest woman alive will, you know, just send me like a record of incredible moments throughout history where this has happened that I would never even like right. have thought of. Um, I mean, I guess I always imagined that people would be like that good at things like that there but I just never imagined it being so open and being such a great place to um, bounce ideas off of people it's really they they want you to share your thoughts that's why you're in the room so yeah um, it's a true true team yeah you you don't hear no very often and if you do it's sort of like oh well what if we did it like this right it's just thinking of it differently Right. Well, it's great that you've had such a positive experience. Yeah. I think it's going to make every listener want to work there 10 times more. Yeah. So. I mean, you should. And it, it's, it was a wonderful place to work. And I, on, I just really think that, you know, Vogue is a place where you can write about, especially Vogue.com, it's like you can write about, um, you know, pop culture. We can write about the same thing that, you know, that I maybe would have covered at um, Sugar Inc. or, um, you know, that you would cover anywhere else, like Selena Gomez gets a haircut or something. But, right. but it's also a place where they really care about um, highbrow culture. And so we could sort of marry the two. And um, I know that's something that they really look for in people as well is like, Anna Wintour especially likes people to be aware of it um you know I and I just being in New York and like studying here I just learned to like 
I loved going to galleries and museums and plays and I I'll do it on my own and uh, you know like even auctions and I'll pay attention and then you can sort of like synthesize all of these ideas at once so like if Revlon comes out with this nail polish that looks like um, sort of like television static I'm like well that's you know this thing that's you know it's like this Memphis design groups like pattern and that's been having this postmodern moment like in the design world and then you know Proenza Scholar also showed it on the runway and it's just like coming back in all of these different ways and like those are those are the things that like Vogue sees that I don't know that it gets covered in yeah it's like it's more specific there which is fun for me. That's like what well, I want to do. Well, that pulls your art background, and right, it's more than just like okay, quick celeb story. Let's get it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They want to know That's that great. I know more. Like, you have more depth. Yeah. Then I'm not <laughs> just like, well, the cuticle should be like, you know. Yeah. Are there any drugstore or in general beauty products that we should absolutely check out? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, into the gloss is was like the best um, resource for this because I I did a lot of, I transcribed um, all of the, um, and edited all of the, the the top shelves if I didn't like interview them myself. Um, That's great. So you really learned so, about every single product. I mean, it is the best market research ever. Yeah. You just learn what everybody uses and what everybody cares about. Um, Everybody uses like Ruby Woo red lipstick, and everyone uses uh, all of the models use Embryolisse, which is yeah that moisturizer. A French moisturizer. It's a drugstore moisturizer. I think you can get it at Dwayne Reed. You can now. get it on Amazon. I've yeah. used it before. And Bioderma Crayoline as like a oh um, makeup remover. Yeah, love that. Um, so far, I'm two for two. Not yeah. the first one. Perfect. Um, yeah, I don't even wear red lipstick. I don't wear so. red lip. Um, Maybelline Great Lash is in every model's bag. Um, classic. Classic. Easy. Inexpensive. Dove. Um, Dove Dry Shampoo. Really? Is what? Yeah, it's what Mark Townsend uses on. He's the hairstylist right. for the Olsen twins, and he just uses has always used it on them to get really great texture. Interesting. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah, it's good. We, we have a lot of office uh, Vogue.com office addicts for the Dove shit dry shampoo. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. Um, and but if you have, if your hair is really dirty and you're a brunette, I think that Moroccan oils brunette dry shampoo is the best thing running. Does it have a tint in it? It's like the particles are a little bit tinted. They're not. They're not super dark. Like, it won't leave, like, an ashy yeah. finish on your forehead or anything um, if you, like, misfire. But um, You love it. But I love it. It doesn't ever show up, and it genuinely makes your hair look approachable without feeling like it's chock full of something. You can still run your fingers through it. Okay. I'm going to check it best. out. I, sometimes I can't read beauty content or into the gloss content or any or vogue because then i end up just buying so many products and i have such a small apartment that i'm like where do i think i'm keeping all these things oh no but it's bad add these to my list there is a bottle (laughs) i'm sure every single surface same here this office there's products everywhere 
Well, thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in LA and everything that you do and kind of the next chapter of your life. Thank you. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mackenzie, for joining us, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. I hope you will join us for our next episode of Office Hours. Until then, 